Hello and welcome to another installment of Casual Trekker, I'm Scott. Today I'm giving my brief views and thoughts on um, the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 4, All Is Possible. I must say that I loved the NOA, the NOX, the NX1 snow globe. Like, as I was like, I want one. That was, that was really great. And the final scene between Tilly and Burnham was like the way that I would definitely do that scene. Like, when they met is also when they bid farewell, which was like the best place and the best thing you could do. There's no way I could make it better than that. That was great. That was beautiful. That was the greatest way to do it. I, I suspect the reason for her leaving the show sort of was for maternity leave because I guess she's pregnant. So it kind of makes sense that now she would have to take less lighter uh, work and Tilly's been the mainstay for the whole entire series really. She's been in like I don't, there's like maybe been like one or two episodes that she hasn't actually been a part of, I think. She's been in it some way, so you'd have to explain why she's gone. So her being at the academy means that they're still able to talk to each other, incorporate each other. So instead of them having to try to figure out, instead of figuring out ways of making it make sense to why she's not been there for six weeks, then, or whatever, however long it's going to be, then to mention the fact that you could film these little, small, little itty bitty scenes and then put it inside each of the episodes where she doesn't actually have to be there. Then you don't gotta to try to explain anything about where she is. So that all made sense. But I, I felt like from the moment she started talking about questioning herself and being curious about her her future, I'm like, oh man, she's gonna be leaving. But apparently she's gonna still be there. So I'm thinking that's not something more to do with her maternity leave rather than anything else. I loved the fact that the president kind of wanted to nonchalantly have Burnham do what she suggested she do to uh, make it to where the Falcons join the Federation again. There's been a criticism that why is Michael the savior? Why is she the one that has to do this? And I'm like thinking back to every episode in a, a series of Star Trek where the people we're following are the ones that are doing it. Like, TNG has so many of them. It's like, this event happens. They don't call they don't call Starfleet. They don't call the Federation. And then somebody else comes out to help them or handle it. They handle it themselves. They take it upon themselves to handle it themselves. There are so many episodes of TNG where they should have called Starfleet and Starfleet should have said, yeah, we're going to go send like a couple ships over there and you're going to do this and this is going to happen. But that didn't, that didn't happen. The crew did it themselves. So for sake of story and narrative, you can't have so many people in the, in the kitchen. You got to, you kind of got to narrow down to one individual thing. And that's where you get Michael Burnham being that person. Otherwise you're, you have it been extended out and you kind of get lost in the shuffle so it's like any made for tv movie you have what the you have what the real life story is and then you have composite characters you have events that happen in different ways get rearranged and everything else so fiction isn't reality and reality isn't fiction so her being in that role i'm fine with because in measure of a man 
Jean-Luc Picard didn't have to be that person, and Riker didn't have to be that be be that that person. They could put in a, a request to Starfleet, and then got their own little Jake thing, whatever it is, and they could have had the actual lawyer people doing that thing. But would we watch it if it wasn't Jean-Luc Picard? Would we watch it if it wasn't Riker? The two men going head to head? Of course not. We'd be like, eh, whatever. It's like any movie you watch, a made-for-TV movie. Like, oh, eh, whatever. But if you put a A-lister star in that movie that's career hasn't already went up the tube down the tubes, you're more inclined to watch it rather than a nobody because your interest level is because of the actor. So if you don't like Michael Burnham, you don't like uh, Sonequa Martin Green, then you're gonna find a reason to get grumpy and all why did he have to be the savior of everything? Well, every show, Benjamin Sisko, he could have he could have called Starfleet or the Federation in any one of his big big issues. Janeway is the only one the only one that can say it was I was the only one that could do this. I couldn't call for help from anybody. Janeway's the only exception to the rule. Everybody else could have called. Kirk Kirk could have called probably countless times. So her saying that she could be that person that does the whole arbitrary thing and she's got she's a she's a citizen of both places, so she's not biased one over the other. I'm fine with it. Because you can't you, you can't argue other TV shows concepts of why they have to be the savior of their own show without giving without bringing in the discovery choice of what they did in this episode with Michael Burnham doing doing what she was doing. You, you can't you can't base it just off your dislike of the character, dislike of of the show. If you're gonna criticize one show, you have to explain the other. And because you like it, isn't a reason enough to kind of talk down to one show while you're raising one show up. So I'm fine I was fine with that. The stuff with Tilly and the in the in the in the cadets on the planet, it was great. I loved how they came came together. I loved how Tilly was taking the the uh, the taking command in the whole thing. She was being real steadfast and stern. I do wish that I do wish that what it was playing against was different. Like, same scene. Everything happens the exact same. But what they were going back and forth against was probably something different. Because the political stuff is one type of mood. It matches what was going on with uh, the therapy session between Colbert and Book. Those things matched. Like, beat-wise and tone-wise. But then you go back to Tilly and you're like, Oh my gosh, is she going to die? Is she going to live? Are the cadets going to die? I mean, we saw one die. And there is a critique like, they just watched the person die in front of them. They don't even care. I don't think they knew the person. It's like, if the dude at the local corner store was shot right now, I would say, did you hear about that dude shot? But that's about it. I'm not going to be brokenhearted about it. His family will. His friends will. But I am so far removed from that person that I'm not going to be as... I'm not, I'm not going to be as affected as someone that was closer to him would be. I don't know if you saw him on Discovery or not. I don't know if he was part of the crew on there or if Tilly and him had a rapport before this. I'll have to go back and watch it again to see who that is, to see if he'd been previous. So death is part of the thing. I mean, Q told it to Picard. If you're not ready to do whatever, you should probably just go back home because they lost so many people in Q Who. So I'm not really... 
I'm not I'm not really a stickler about them not giving him like you know like the like the Spock treatment and putting him through a casket and doing the whole what they did with um, Data on the Enterprise E launching the thing into space or whatever it was or whatever they did to celebrate Data's death it might have just been it might have just been them talking about him and then before doing a singing I, I can't remember where I remember seeing the torpedo being launched I might have just been uh, Spock but the overall episode I thought was great I think they need to they're going too far away maybe from what's the premise of the story instead of embracing it like it'd be cool if like episode one was was the anomaly episode two wasn't episode three was episode so on forth you know but so far we've had one and two i believe were part of the anomaly but then the last two were kind of like what anomaly oh yeah that thing in the background oh it's disastrous whatever so i hope they go back to that the next episode you barely see anything on so i think there's gonna be a lot of reveals and a lot of stuff happening because of the fact that you don't really see anything but that one of the the, the next one that i saw was just the prison and the people below it and they're trying to trying to evacuate them so i think we're gonna get a lot of a lot of uh anomaly conversation in that episode and now that tilly's off 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 of the show temporarily you're all of her lines are going to be reassigned until you'll have more time. It's like an it's like an ensemble show. We have six actors. Everyone's got to have lines. And so you waste time giving them lines. So the less people you have, the more time you can spend with the, with the um, description. Because you have all those different dialogue lines. Because a, a minute of screen time is supposed to be a page. So... Tilly's no longer there, so you're taking those six lines that she would say, and now you can incorporate that into the description of what's happening, which is what we call the anomaly. So now that now now that uh, Adira is is separated from Gray, and Tilly is now doing her thing at the at the academy, which I'm fine with her teaching. Like I think it's a good idea. She's got a very, I think I think she. She has a lot of life, a lot of life experience from these four seasons, from what she's experienced from season four at the moment to what she experienced in three and how, what was going on in two and what was happening in one. I think all of that kind of is a good way to kind of bring in the people that are curious about, uh, about the Federation, about what Starfleet is, about what it means, the principles what it used to mean a lot of people are like oh she's gonna be a teacher like it's makes it makes a lot of sense why they would select her because of her life experience she might have just been a ensign uh four years uh, a cadet four years ago but in that time she has experienced so much it's like if someone said that in season four of tng that wesley crusher was leaving uh, the Enterprise to go teach at the Academy it wouldn't make any sense with what you experienced for the last four years of that character There's nothing to really teach But this but with Tilly She's had a lot of stuff going on. She's been in command roles. She's been she's been in a lot of highly chi a lot of Chaos is what she's been in so I think her going down into a schoolroom and people coming in for the first time that have never really experienced the Federation or Starfleet, they're coming in as, 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 as cadets. She can sit them down and have conversations about 
her life, what happened with her, what was going on around her time, and then she can go into what happened in the last four years, because three, three, year, uh, two years of it is basically all is all probably lost, and they was all redacted, so it's not even known. So she's teaching these; they can't just Google search her, and all stuff's gonna pop up. It all was classified up until they popped out of that. And they feel like popped out a year earlier, so I think I think it would be a missed opportunity to to misunderstand her valuability as a teacher because of what she's experienced in the past. She's no Wesley Crusher. She's experienced a lot. She's gone through a lot. And the only reason you would say that's not the case is if you dislike the show, or if you wanted to go a different route because you think your script is better or what you would do to these characters is a lot better. And we're all the heroes of our own stories, so we always think what we we are thinking is always going to be the best. I'm the first one to say that my opinion is my opinion and my opinion only, and I don't presume to try to say that mine's better than yours. It's just my my opinion based off of what I think, and I don't have a, a hatred for any of the shows. I mean, the one show I can't stand is DS9. But I can tell you good things about it. I can figure out a way to package it to where you would think that I love DS9. But I always say that the first four seasons I can't really stand. Which is true, I can't. But once Worf comes on board, uh, Day of the Warrior or whatever it's called, that's when to me it got better. Mainly because Avery Brooks lost the hair and had the goatee. and I love him as that character probably because that's... When I was younger, that's what I saw him as. The, the later part of the, but I wasn't catching every episode, but that's what he looked like. You know how Picard has never changed his look from season one of, of TNG all the way to season seven? He looks exactly the same. He's aged, of course, but he looks the same. Janeway, same way, looked the same. Um, Kirk, same thing. So Avery Brooks is the only actor really who changed his look. So when I go back to watching the previous episodes, I'm like, whoa, he looks way different. Or I'm like, the vibe's different. So that's why up to see up to episode four, not really a fan. I'll watch it, but I'm not going to like, hey, let's go watch uh, season two, episode four. Uh, season four on is, 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 is my jam. But I liked, I liked every single one of the storylines. It's just like I said earlier that maybe the ice planet being attacked and chased down and almost killed probably would have played off a better off a different scene that wasn't necessarily political that was that was that was politics that was against a played off against a therapy session between Culber and Book that my own I probably have changed that one scene I probably would have held that back to a different episode where it was the themes were kind of they better they had better punctuation between both. Because I could have sat down and watched Star Trek Law, Law, Law and Order all day with that scene with uh, them talking with two, with the two presidents and uh, Saru and Burnham and them figuring out that uh, the guy wasn't actually sick. Vance, he wasn't actually sick. He was left out of the thing on purpose because they figured that Saru and Burnham would have been a better fit for what their plan was. And... Yeah, the whole the whole thing worked beautifully. The whole episode was 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 really great. I I I'm enjoying season four. Um, am I enjoying it more than previous seasons? No, I'm enjoying it just just as much as the first season. 
first season, second season, third season, they're all, they all play the same to me. They, I just enjoy watching Star Trek. Is it getting more and more confident in itself, in the writing and what's happening? Yes. Do I want to see more of the original bridge crew? Yes, I do. Am I curious to why they're not being prominently just showcased? Yes, I am. We haven't even been on the bridge of the Discovery, I think, in two episodes, which leads me to suspect maybe they filmed an episode's massive major thing where something was going crazy on the, on, on the Discovery that they weren't going to be able to put it back together again real fast. So they shot that scene first, and then they're taking two episodes to redo something on it. So that's why we weren't on the bridge for the last two episodes, which in production-wise is a very long time. I'm not sure how long it takes to produce an episode, but usually in TV it's like seven days. So 14 days of production, we have not been on the, on the, on the, on, on the Discovery Bridge. So what thing happens that makes it to where they have to ride it to where they're not on the ship or race on that on, on that uh, bridge but yeah it it, it it left me with with like intrigue curiosity and it really it really it really gave Tilly that's gonna be like her actual like if she's not coming back after her her, her pregnancy because why why would you you have a new baby I mean, Star Trek is it's great, but it's a TV show. It doesn't replace your family. It's a long work schedule, and you got a new baby at home. I would not blame Mary Wiseman at all to be home with her new child and her family for a little while, and then come back for to like to shoot a scene because they shoot in 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 Canada. Where does Mary Wiseman live? I mean, in universe, her going to be a, a be a teacher means that occasionally we might get to have like a blue screen brought to her, her house or whatever and then film something really fast just so she's included but do i expect her to go all the way up to toronto to do a thing when she has a baby at home she's just going to be happy absolutely not that is you can't you can't say star trek means this and star trek means that while expecting a new mom to fly all the way to toronto away from her baby to go be in your show that just does not make sense to me so what they did makes the most sense. It explains where she's at, where she, I mean, she said it herself. Getting her lieutenant pips was the worst day of her life. The worst day. This from a woman who said her main goal was to be the captain one day. So I think that she had been so used to the lie that she told herself. I can't remember... I can't remember where I heard this, or if it was in the show, but have you ever told yourself a lie so many times that you begin to believe that it is true? I don't know if I heard that on the Ready Room, or on a show I was watching before I did this podcast, or if it was on the episode itself. I can't remember right now because I'm in the middle of trying to do a podcast. But that, to me, is exactly it. She, she, she wanted to impress her mom so much, she wanted to be seen so much, that she's doing something she didn't actually want to do because she convinced herself it was what, I mean, it would become a reality. When they popped on those lieutenant bars on her, on her, on her, on her clothes, she was like, oh wow, oh wow, no, 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 bad move, bad move. I get it. And uh, I appreciate that we got that last scene 
with Tilly and Burnham in the same place that they met, ending on the highest note possible. There's like no better way to end that end that character's um, role on the series. Like they could have easily have killed her off on that planet, very very easily, but that wouldn't have been right. That would not have been the right way to go. Tilly deserves to live. She deserves to do what she loves. And that works both in the show and in her real life. So I applaud them for doing what they did. Regardless of what other YouTube people say or how much they dislike the way they made her a teacher. Blah, 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 blah. Gives a shit. They did what was right, best for the character. And what was best for Mary Wiseman. If she so chooses to dedicate more of her time to her, 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 uh, her, her kid. So, all in all, really good episode. I love the throwback to the NX-01. That was beautiful. I hope that we get more of rather like an Easter egg. I want like a full-on Enterprise thing happening because they've teased it throughout the course of the show. They had Archer's name when when uh, when so went through was asking for the best captains. They've mentioned Enterprise, I believe, a couple of times. So, I want a full-on thing happening to where to where we go okay Star Trek Enterprise just like um, DS9 when they went when they did the, when they did the episode where they went actually back in time to toss I mean you can't get more more Star Trek relatable than that outside of your walk-on cameo which now Discovery has because up, up until season three there was no literal definitive crossover and I know that I, 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 I made a post a long time ago and posted in one of my groups about the crossover things. And they were like, well, what about Brent Spiner Enterprise? Or what about this person here? Or what about this guy there? Anil. It is literally the main cast. So the bridge crew, any, any of the main cast, has to go over to the other show. Like, you know, you had DeForest Kelly, who was in Toss, playing, playing Bones. He was in The Next Generation pilot episode. I but I believe he was shoehorned in there because that's what it felt kind of like. Like you did the whole entire situation with Q and chasing you in saucer separation with an admiral on board that was the most, most like iconic character. You just chilling there the whole time, you know, kind of scary. So I feel like they kind of shoehorned him in there just a little bit at the last minute because they wanted to have that connection. I feel, I feel that's what they did. I'm not knocking it. I loved it. I loved him there. So keep it. But I wish that that was like where we started the episode and then he went off onto the Starbase and then we got the cue. That would have been kind of, I think, better with them not knowing he was on board the ship the whole entire time. Or at least we didn't. Well, the fact that they said, hey, secure the Admiral, you know, but I, I, I digress. And then in DS9, you had Picard, who is the captain of TNG. And then you have Cork on Voyager, who is the bartender in most episodes of DS9. And then at the end of Enterprise, you had Riker, who was the first officer on TNG. And then in, Disco in Discovery, you have Spock, the main dude, Leonard Nimoy, his image from Unification Part 1 and 2 on Hologram. I mean, they could have used Ethan Peck. They could have aged him up. They chose, they chose to say, here you go, guys. We're giving you some Leonard Nimoy. They could have done, they could have done Ethan Peck. He was already there. He was already there. They already had him as Spock. Just age him up, grade his hair, whatever, and put him on screen. They didn't do that. They gave us Leonard fucking Nimoy. 
So thank you, Discovery. But so, all those characters crossed over. So it'd be interesting if we do another one, because there is that whole that whole future guy 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 um moment in Enterprise. We haven't resolved who he is. We have a little bit in like 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 moot like uh novels and stuff like that. But with time travel and everything else and you it doesn't necessarily have to start where where they said that stuff was happening that was all just assumptions or something that was based on 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 a report so you could have an event occur in the time that discovery is now affect the 29th century which then affects the 2251 our 2151 so you could have done that a lot like like a rogue agent somewhere in starbase does some kind of thing that opens up a wormhole to the 29th century and then some dude jumps through and then in trying to go back to the future accidentally opens a con opens up the thing to yank archer ahead on accident or maybe even they bring back scott Bakula on accident because there's no canon for uh, for jonathan archer after uh, enterprise besides in writing so really um, after he was at the at the uh, at that ceremony to create the Federation in 2261, you could really do whatever you wanted to do. You could make it to where he vanished and came and came ahead. I mean, they did it in generations with uh, with Kirk. I mean, in 1992, you didn't know that Kirk died on Narenda Three with 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 Picard and the Enterprise D, and he vanished on the Enterprise B. That wasn't something that was new. If you have, if you had Memory Alpha back in 1992 and you typed up James T. Kirk, it would just be nothing. It would be like he's doing, he's out gardening or something, because he had no death. It wasn't until Generations actually came out that they put that in the history books. They 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 literally retconned that, because all through TNG, even in Relics in TNG. Uh, Scotty, this is the event after the event of of uh, the Enterprise B, would have would have known that Kirk died of old age or whatever. But to him, when he came out, he was like, "Did he bring the ship out?" He was kind of acting like how Rachel Garrett did in Yesterday's Enterprise, where everyone had a different uh, outfit and it was only sick bay looking different that made her go, "Wait a tick." What year is it, or where where am I at? So, you you could retcon whatever you want, as long as it makes sense in the retcon. So, you could accidentally have someone that's playing around with time travel technology, and Scott Bakula was on Enterprise. I think it was in two thousand five was the last year, two thousand four. So, however many years ago that 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 was, add that to twenty two sixty one. And then that way you don't got to worry about aging up an aging up an actor. He just 15 years or whatever it is after the signing of the of the Federation, after he was the first president of the Federation, of course, he gets pulled ahead. And then they gotta try to send him back, and they do, but it doesn't go all the way. It goes to the 29th century, and then he activates it to talk to himself as the as a younger man. Bingo bongo! You get full circle gratification where he is future guy but it took discovery to bring him there which would be fantastic 
But are they gonna do that? Probably not, but that would be really fun if they did that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Calypso. How are they gonna make that? It sounds like they're making it to be where instead of it, they bumped it ahead a thousand more years. So Calypso is like in the year 4100 or something like that. So it's gonna be interesting to see how all these things play, play, play together, how the anomaly is gonna get more screen time this next episode. It sounds like it's gonna have a lot more. But this episode, it had a lot of good moments. It had a lot of good character stuff. It had a lot of good transitions. It's um definitely not a filler epi not definitely not a filler episode because a lot happened in it that moves the plot along. So that so that's good. I can't think of one bad thing really that I wouldn't someone wouldn't say what about this series or what about that show type thing that's the way that i view my critiques is can can another show can someone else say another show did it if they did and that was okay that means it's fine here too does she all does burnham always have to be have to have to be the savior of every single situation no but does it happen in star trek that the lead in that show is the person that does whatever that does solve the problem you betcha I mean, why did it have to be, uh, why, why, why did it have to be Jean-Luc Picard in the final episode of TNG to be the one that was doing the thing? Why couldn't it have been some random ass person, uh, on Earth flashing back and forth and Picard had to figure things out? Because it wouldn't have been as fun. It would have been like that show Touch, where the kid is the person that all stuff is happening to, but this other guy has to figure it all out. Had the kid been the person that was the adult rather than two people, then you would have had a lot less trying to figure out what that kid's doing. You would have had more time to spend on the plot of the show. So instead of breaking into two people, you just have to be one person and you save time. So that's just how the reality of it all. So I'm fine with all that stuff. The, the, the season four so far is of all the seasons of Discovery, I would have to say it's the most improved. I would, I would have to, I would have to have to say that I appreciate it more. Am I gonna say I'm never gonna watch season one again? No, I'm not gonna say that because it's an evolution of, of, of the series. It's like if you're watching season five of TNG, are you gonna say I'm never gonna watch the first season of TNG again? No, of course not. I mean, there's this, this crazy wild, moronic, ridiculous line said by Data in the pilot of what class he was from. Meanwhile, he was only 33 years old or found 33 years ago or whatever, and the damn show is based in 2364. So how can he be the class of 78 if it's in 2364? That would mean that he was in Starfleet Academy and graduated in 2278. That's a glaring fuck up in season one. But you know what? Who gives a shit? It's still a great character. I enjoy watching Data. I enjoy watching Jordy. And the only character in TNG that I really couldn't stand, surprisingly enough, is Worf. I couldn't really stand anything involved in involving him. Parallels, I really wish was somebody else. But I loved him in DS9. I loved it when he was there. Yeah, I wouldn't love him I wouldn't love it if he was there if he wasn't in TNG. If you get my point here. You have to appreciate what came before it to really enjoy what's happening now. 
So that will conclude my podcast for this episode of season four. Can't wait for the next one.